2: Today on the Matt Wall Show, a pansexual teacher is fired in Florida for discussing sexuality with her kids. Was the school justified? Of course it was, but we'll discuss anyway. Also, Joe Biden claims that the right to kill babies comes from God. Dr. Oz is called out for his pro-abortion views during the GOP primary debate in Pennsylvania. Dave Chappelle is assaulted on stage during a comedy show. This is becoming a bit of a trend. NASA scientists sexually harass E.T. with unsolicited nudes. And in our daily cancellation, we'll deal with what might be the dumbest and most morally debased argument in favor of abortion that we've heard from the left since the Supreme Court news broke. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. <music> Did you know that uh, if you're currently on a phone plan with one of the major carriers, you are helping these left-leaning companies donate to pro-choice causes and candidates? A common question I get from my listeners all the time is, you know, what can I do to help turn the tides in the culture war. Here's a great first step. Defund the abortionists. Don't let them take your money and use it to further policies you don't believe in. Switch to Charity Mobile today, and they will send 5% of your monthly plan price to any pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice. Charity Mobile offers the latest 5G phones with no device or service contracts. Plus, they have great nationwide coverage. I've never had a problem with the coverage with Charity Mobile phones. If this sounds like a hassle, you know, making the switch, it, it actually is. And Charity Mobile makes switching from your current carrier painless. Their live customer service is exceptional. They'll guide you through the process. You can keep your number and even your phone in most cases. Or if you want, you can take advantage of my special offer and get a free cell phone with free activation. All you got to do is call 1-877-474-3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com and mention offer code Walsh to redeem the free cell phone offer. That's charitymobile.com. Mention offer code Walsh. Join the fight Four children by switching to Charity Mobile today. Now that the anti-groomer law has been put into effect in Florida, we have, of course, been warned that apocalyptic results will follow. Gay teachers will be fired en masse. Gay students will be expelled. Gay people walking down the street will be rounded up and deported. Anybody who says the word gay will be immediately vaporized by a drone from the sky. This is the dystopia that we were promised, and yet nothing like it has actually occurred. In fact, um, The media has had to search quite desperately to find any real-life horror stories connected to the legislation that they erroneously labeled the Don't Say Gay Bill. And now they think that they finally found it. The headlines came pouring in yesterday. A teacher in Florida has been fired for her sexuality, they tell us. Except there's quite a bit more to the story, as it turns out. Here's the headline from the New York Post. It says, pansexual Florida teacher canned for discussing orientation with students. Now, according to the article, it says, a Florida teacher claimed she was fired for discussing her pansexual status with middle school students, whom she then asked to draw pictures representing their own sexual orientations. Cape Coral art instructor Casey Scott said that her students were curious about her sexual orientation, and she explained to them that she was pansexual during a lesson in March, March, according to NBC2. A discussion happened in the class, and because of that, now I'm fired, Scott told the outlet. Now, uh... Just to make sure that we give pansexual Casey a, a fair shake in this whole thing, I want to play some of her interview with NBC2 where she tells her sad, sad story. And uh, let's do that now.
3: A discussion happened in class, and because of that, now I'm fired.
1: That discussion, according to Trafalgar Middle School teacher Casey Scott, centered on student
3: sexuality. A lot of the kids came out to me like, oh, well, I'm non binary. And a couple kids said, oh, well, I'm bi. One kid said they're gay. She claims students wondered about her. Oh, I'm pansexual. So um like I like anyone despite female, male.
1: And married to a man, she says some students asked to create art expressing their sexuality. This one's the
3: trans flag. She hung the pictures on her classroom door. They said that it would be in the best interest if I just got rid of them now. She snapped these pictures showing how she got rid of them. I went over to the recycling bin, I grabbed all of their flags and all the kids were staring at me. And I crumbled their flags in front of them. She was sent home, and then... I got a call from administration saying that, well, at this time, we are releasing you from your contract. She showed us social
1: media posts from students upset over her firing. However, the Lee County School District showed us complaints from parents and students, explaining that they could create flags expressing who they are. Union President Kevin Daly says... They can legally fire her.
4: During that probationary period, um, they can let you go without cause.
1: She doesn't belong to the union. Daly believes the firing could be a wake-up call for
2: teachers.
4: There is kind of a heightened sense of, you know, where is the boundary?
2: Hmm. Yes, where is the boundary? Well, um, I can answer that. The boundary is simply this. Don't talk to the kids about your sexuality or theirs. It's got nothing to do with your job. It's not appropriate. It's none of your business. It's not what you're being paid to do. Um, I also don't want my kids' dentist talking to them about their sexuality. If the barber cutting my son's hair is a pansexual and uh, brings that up in, in uh, the course of, of, of cutting my son's hair, I'm going to have a problem with that. In fact, I don't want any adult talking to my kids about sexuality. So this is quite simple, actually. It's, finding the boundary, is, it's not hard to do. And it's really not confusing. It's not difficult to understand or abide by. I've gone, if you can believe this, I've gone my entire life without ever walking up to somebody else's child and initiating or participating in a conversation about sexuality. Um, I plan to keep that streak alive for the entire rest of my life. It's not difficult. Normal people have no problem with this. The fact that public school teachers are scratching their heads, you know, and going, I don't understand. It's so confusing. I'm, I'm perplexed. Really shows you what's wrong with with public schools. Wait, so when can I talk to kids about sex? Never. You never can. It's not your business. It's not your job. Get that through your thick skulls and leave the kids alone. Again, nobody else on earth has a problem with this you people are the only ones who are confused about it everybody else we live our entire lives and it's never a problem we we intuitively understand that it's that it is far beyond inappropriate to have conversations like this with other people's kids there is no temptation to have those conversations there's never it's just, there's no confusion there's no like searching where's the line where's the boundary the boundary could not be more obvious. It's in bright neon flashing colors, okay? That's how obvious the boundary is. So let's let's uh, take this specific case into consideration. And it's good because it actually does demonstrate exactly how the Florida bill will work in action, even though this teacher's firing wasn't really connected to the Florida bill. And in fact, the bill only covers kids up to third grade anyway. Still, uh, we, we have a pretty good example of the kind of thing the bill is trying to prevent. So what happened here? According to pansexual Casey, who says she's pansexual because she likes males and females, which actually makes her bisexual. Uh, the term pansexual is redundant and meaningless, but I mean, never mind that for now. Casey says the kids were uh, talking about their own sexuality, and then they asked about hers. The correct response from a competent adult in this situation is to say, this topic is not appropriate for the classroom, and then change the subject. The end, simple. Instead, Casey tells the children all about the wonders of her made-up pansexuality identity and invites the kids to create their own pride flags, which she then hangs up in the classroom. Did she deserve to be fired for that? Yes, without question. At best, and I mean the absolute best, most generous, generous interpretation here, is that this woman is emotionally stunted, immature, ill-equipped, and was swept into this inappropriate classroom conversation because she lacks the competence and basic leadership skills to offer the kind of guidance and set the sort of example that her job requires. Um, that's cause enough to fire her. But again, that's like the most generous interpretation. Because in reality, there's a reason these kids felt comfortable talking about this in her classroom in the first place and even actively you know, drawing her into the discussion pretty clear that she's initiated these types of discussions in the past. She may well have initiated this one too and is now lying about it. Whatever your theory of the case, there is no plausible theory that vindicates her. And there's one other thing I want to bring up about this. So let's go back to the clip when uh, Pansexual Casey says the students wanted to, um, you know, draw the pride flags as an art project. And apparently, they didn't all want that, considering both parents and students complained after the fact. So there were at least some kids in that classroom who felt uncomfortable. But many of them did, uh, allegedly, you know, want to draw the flags until the teacher was forced to pull them all down, crumple them, and throw them away in front of the class. Now, it does sound like she made the whole thing more dramatic and theatrical than it needed to be. Like, I don't think she needs to go right in front of the class and tear down the pride flags that they just put up and crumple them in front of them. Um... Uh, it's uh, kind of funny to me, actually. But whether she had to do it that way or not, let's go to um, minute 139 in the clip where we see all the pride flags crumpled in a heap. Now, you can see that there. Now, first of all, notice just how many pride flags there are from just one middle school art class. I don't know how many kids are in the class, but it couldn't have been more than 20 or 30 at a maximum, probably fewer than that. So, In this one middle school class of a couple dozen students at most, that's how many identify as LGBT. That's how many pride flags there were. And you heard her say it too. Well, some of them were non-binary, they were trans, they were gay, they were bisexual. In a middle school class. And note the actual flags we see there in the pile. Talking about these issues so much, I've unfortunately become very well acquainted with these flags. I'm something of a pride flag translator now. And I can tell you that uh, we see there multiple non-binary flags. So these are middle school kids, a, a group of them in just one class who have declared that, they're, I, that they are neither male nor female. And then perhaps even more alarmingly, we see that, uh, you can see that purple, white, and black flag, which is, I believe, the asexual flag. So there are middle schoolers, young kids, who have decided already that they are asexual. They've adopted that identity and are literally waving the flag for it. So if you're wondering why the anti-groomer laws are needed, this is why. The social contagion has turned into a full-blown pandemic. Entire generations are being consumed by it. Children these days are so desperate to be in the LGBT club that they're assuming sexual identities that they don't understand and that don't really make any sense. That's how successful the LGBT indoctrinators have been. And that's why we have to and are fighting back. Now let's get to our five headlines. Just like the foundation of our country is... uh, The Constitution, legally, the foundation of your family should be your faith and your beliefs. So I have a serious question for you, something you got to consider. If something should happen to you or your spouse, God forbid, who do you trust to instill those same core beliefs and values in your children? Do you think it's the same person the state would assign them to? If you don't have a will in place, you have no say in the future of your children. That's just the reality. So let that sink in and think about that for a second. And if you're single and you don't think you need a will, you couldn't be more wrong. A will allows you to establish advanced directive and medical power of attorney. Do you really want to leave the burden of deciding life support or not to your family members or close friends? Of course, you don't want that. A will allows you to clearly communicate to your loved ones what your wishes are regarding your health. If you haven't made one yet, you're not alone, but... We're going to make it easy for you at EpicWill.com. When you use promo code Walsh, we are so excited that they're partnering with us at The Daily Wire. They're protecting our staff and their families. Let them protect yours to EpicWill.com. Promo code Walsh. This is how easy it is. You can secure your future in as little as five minutes with a complete will package starting at $119. And when you use promo code Walsh, you'll save 10%. EpicWill.com. This will be the most important five minutes you spend today. EpicWill.com. Uh, going immediately to the big topic of the week and of the century, really, Um, Roe v. Wade and its impending demise. So we're getting more reaction from the left. I want to play, first of all, we'll play this clip. Um, It's it's consistent with a theme that we've seen from the left of, uh, you know, very unfortunate and tragic transphobia that has come to the surface uh, over the last few days. And so here is Gavin Newsom. This is the most, I think, probably the most blatant example we've seen yet. Gavin Newsom, who... um, Well, you just have to, you have to hear it to believe it. You have to hear this transphobia and prepare yourself for it. Uh, I don't even know, maybe this YouTube, maybe this whole show will be taken off of YouTube because of the transphobia that you're about to hear, but here it is.
0: Consistently opposing all of those supports. Hell, they don't even believe in climate science. Talk to me about being pro-life. Spare me. Your body, your choice. It's a hell of a moment to live in. But like you say, we will not be defeated. We will stand tall, we will stand firm, and we will affirm the constitutional, currently constitutionally protected rights of women and girls, the reproductive rights and freedoms in California. And we will assert ourselves, as I said, as Californians, by punching above our weight, working with other like-minded leaders and governors and legislatures all across this country And we're not going to roll over. We will not back down. And we will continue to fill in the gaps and address the disparities that continue to persist, even in a state like ours, even in California.
2: So you hear him there say that this is for women and girls. It's the rights of women and girls. So he's he's taking pregnant men out of the conversation. So that's, that's bad enough. But he tweeted out that clip. And in the tweet, if you can believe this, he says, if men could get pregnant, if men could get pregnant, this wouldn't even be a conversation. That's what he said in, in his tweets, introducing this clip of him. If, if men could get pregnant, Gavin, but they certainly can, right? And nobody will ever, that's that's the, the great advantage. Of course, the great advantage if you're on the left, if you're a Democrat and you have the almost, almost the entire media in your pocket is that nobody is ever going to call you on that. No one is ever going to follow up and say, well, what about, I thought that men could get pregnant. What's going on here? And that's all, that's the only follow-up you would need. And it would be totally, it would be utterly embarrassing for Gavin Newsom because he would have to right then and there on the spot, um, abandon his whole, you know, feminist talking point for abortion. And, but he's, he's never going to be required to do that. So they're allowed to com- compartmentalize these issues and put them into different boxes where there's no there's no crossover at all. Like the boxes don't touch. There's everything they say about sex and gender, that goes here. And then there's everything they say about abortion, that goes here. And these are these are separated by there's a there's a vast canyon separating the two. And they're never required to actually try to harmonize these two positions because they can't be harmonized. Um, on a positive end, though, the Republican Senate primary debate in Pennsylvania happened yesterday, and this was um, an important moment from one of the candidates who is, you know, talking about her own pro-life convictions and her own experiences and also calling out Dr. Oz, who's on the stage and I think right now still considered the favorite to actually win the primary and be the, um, the candidate for the, the GOP for the Senate in, in, in Pennsylvania, But uh, he gets called out here, and I think it's a pretty great moment. Let's listen to that.
4: I am the byproduct of a rape. My mother was 11 years old when I was conceived. My father was 21. I was not just a lump of cells. As you can see, I'm still not just a lump of cells. My life has value. And that is one of the reasons why it was so very disturbing when I saw Mehmet Oz running for this particular race, when I've seen him on numerous occasions, and specifically at the breakfast club, saying that my life was nothing more than a uh, acorn with electrical
0: currents. I am wondering if the good doctor has now since changed
4: his position on that my life is valuable and so are this and so are the many lives that find themselves in the womb of their mother whether in the womb or towards the end of that life dr. us, you have 30 seconds to respond That was directed at you sir
0: you know one of the toughest endorsements you can ever get is from your mother-in-law and my mother-in-law is an ordained minister she wrote a lot of the pro-life literature in Montgomery County where we live and she certainly understands that I'm pro-life as a heart surgeon, I've operated on small children, a few days old, and witnessed the majesty of their hearts pounding blood, even though it's ill, because I'm operating on them, uh, through those bodies. I would never think of harming that child, or even nine months earlier, because life starts at conception.
2: What? I, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I hadn't even heard, I hadn't heard the clip with, uh, I, I guess I hadn't listened all the way to Dr. Oz's response, and you know, I, which, which is my mistake, because you've got to hear him out. What does he have to say? Um, and apparently that's what he has to, his response, his response actually was my mother-in-law says I'm pro-life. Oh yeah. Well, my mother-in-law, what? And he had to know, he obviously knew this was going to come up. And so they workshopped this thing and he had his advisors and, uh, he obviously had this, this mother-in-law line and they said, that's a good one. Yeah. Throw that one in there. That's that. That's it. That ends the discussion right there. Your mother-in-law says you're pro-life. And then he he pledges that he would never harm a child. Well, okay, that's good. I mean, no one was no one was accusing you of actually physically yourself harming a child, although by supporting uh, abortion, not to mention the chemical castration and sterilization of kids, you had you have in effect harmed lots of kids. But that was a train wreck. It was like 20 seconds from Dr. Oz, a total train wreck. If you live in Pennsylvania, this cannot be your guy. This just this can't be him. Um, he's, he's playing the part. He's playing the character right now of a conservative. But the unfortunate reality for Dr. Oz is that he's been on TV for decades. And so all you have to do, we have tons of tape. All you got to do is go to the tape. And you can hear what he said about all these issues. Abortion. He's been pro-abortion. Pro Transgenderism. He's in favor of, uh, of medically transitioning kids. You know, gun control, he's a big gun control proponent. I mean, how could you even consider, if you're a conservative, nominating him? It's total madness. Now, the woman there on the stage, her name is uh, Kathy Barnett. And, you know, she makes a really important point and uh, presents a challenge for the pro-abortion side, which includes Dr. Oz, whatever he happens to be saying right now. He's, he is still on the pro-abortion side, historically. And uh, whatever conversion he experienced, you know, this late in life, I, always be skeptical. Anytime a politician claims to have uh, undergone some sort of conversion where they've changed their mind. I mean, people can change their minds, yeah. But if you have somebody who's, uh, Dr. Oz is in his 60s now, I think. So they've lived their whole life and they're, they're on the record over and over and over again having a certain position. And then the moment they run for office, that's when they have their road to Damascus moment and they see the light, a little skeptical of that. Um, so she presents a challenge to the pro-abortion side and she goes right after, you know, with the, the, the kind of the hard cases, which is the, 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 the supposed to be the kind of unanswerable argument from the pro-abortion side, which is, well, what about rape? What about rape and incest, life of the mother, these kinds of things? Even though it's all a red herring, it's all a misnomer. Because, as we've said, that's less than 1% of abortions. And um, even though on the left, all they want to do is talk about, when it comes to abortion, all they want to do is talk about cases of rape. You know, They're neglecting the 99%. And as far as their position on abortion goes, the rape is irrelevant. They think no no matter how a woman happened to get pregnant, 99% of the time it's they got pregnant because they willfully participated in a certain, in in the reproductive act. And as far as the left's concerned, no no matter how you got pregnant, you have the natural God given right to kill your your babies. Um, But talking about the rape. Talking about cases of rape for just a second. So what you're saying is, if you think that abortion should be legal in cases of rape, then what you're saying is that Kathy Barnett should should not exist. Like, why should, let's just personalize it for a second, because these are actual human beings we're talking about. Babies that are conceived in rape. These are actual people. And there are a lot of people walking around today who were conceived in rape. And you're saying that it should have been okay to execute them, to kill them because of the sins of the father? How does that make any sense? How does that make logical sense? How is that morally or ethically sound? Why should, this is what you should have to explain if you take this position. Whether you're full on pro-abortion or you, you know, are are kind of pro-life but you make exceptions. And if if you're pro-life with exceptions then you're not really pro-life. But you need to explain why Kathy Barnett should have had to pay the price for what her father did. Pay the price with her life. Make a moral argument in favor of that, because I don't think you can. All right, let's uh, move to this. Biden, speaking out yesterday, had some thoughts on uh, the extremism of the Republican Party that he's very concerned about. Let's listen to that.
4: Well, that got struck down. Griswold was thought to be a bad decision by Bork and my guess is the guys on the Supreme Court now. What happens if you have a state change the law saying that, that, that children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that, is that legit under the way the decision is written? What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this mega crowd is really the most extreme political ex- organization that's existed in American history.
2: So now we, we've already heard that because if Roe v. Wade is overturned, then as we heard from Eric Swalwell yesterday, that means that uh, next thing you know, they're going to abolish interracial marriage. Because, you know, those, uh, those conservatives on the Supreme Court, they, they're on the record opposed to interracial marriage. They're so opposed to it that one of them, Clarence Thomas, is in an interracial marriage. He wants to abolish his own interracial marriage, apparently. So we've heard that. Uh, Of course, we've heard that uh, next they're they're going to overturn gay marriage. And now Biden says that the next step is uh, is segregation in the classroom along sexual identity lines. Which, of course, he's completely inventing that in his confused head but also that, that that also happens to be like again exactly the opposite of the conservative position when it comes to sexuality and the classroom no we don't want to segregate kids based on that we we don't want to do anything with it we just it it's that's not what the classroom is about that whole subject we want to take the whole not the people we want to take the whole subject of sexuality uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, all that stuff—take that out of the classroom because it doesn't, doesn't belong there. Leave the people; it's the subject that we have a problem with. So this is um, this is GOP extremism. Oh, that MAGA crowd—they're the most extremist political movement to come along. No, it's it's not the people who uh, believe that we should be able to kill babies in the womb up until birth, up until 40 weeks. They're not the most extreme. Chemically castrating, sterilizing kids, that's not the most extreme. Speaking of an extreme MAGA terrorist, there's a guy named Miles Taylor who uh, agrees about the violent extremism on the right. And he says that, in fact, he fears for his very life because of it. Listen to this.
1: If I had quit the Bush administration where I started my career, I worked in Dick Cheney's office. If I had quit and said Bush and Cheney were bad, which I didn't believe, but if I'd quit in protest, they would have quarreled with me. Instead, defecting from the Republican Party and fighting MAGA, they don't just want to quarrel with me. They want to kill me, okay? Because I'm going out there and saying the Republican Party, my party, has been corrupted, they want to kill me. And that's not hyperbole. We receive death threats. But it's not just the me's out there that went into this clear-eyed. It's poll workers. It's school board chairmen. It's just your neighbors that are... Suffering under the politics of physical intimidation by merely trying to stand up on these issues—that is what is so alarming.
2: They want to kill me," he says. "Who is that guy again? I think we we have to know. I think you're safe because in order to kill you, first of all, we have to know who the hell you are, and uh, I don't think any of us do. I just know his name because it was on the, you know, it was it was on the clip. But that's that's all. I don't know who this guy is. They're coming after me to kill me. (laughs) Nobody knows who you are or cares, buddy. He says it's not hyperbole. I agree it's not hyperbole that they're coming after him to kill him. Uh, It's not hyperbole. It is just uh, what we call a bald-faced lie. That's all that is. All these people constantly, I'm so tired of hearing about, oh, they're sending me the death threats. Just so you know, um, 99.999% of the time when someone talks about death threats, they're just lying. You know, and then and then in the the small number of cases where there are death threats, well, that's it's not good. It's bad. It shouldn't happen. But lots of us deal with it. I do as well. But I can pretty much guarantee you, no one's coming after that guy trying to kill him. They don't even know who he is. Especially not when you're. He, he's he's his claim is that the whoever this guy is, his claim is that the the conservatives want to kill him. Because he is arguing that the GOP is corrupt. Every conservative says that. We all say that. We all believe that. That's, that's, that is probably the one thing that every conservative can agree on, is that the GOP is corrupt. And um, it's like the lesser of two evils. And That's the position. That I, I have never met a conservative who's like super into the Republican Party and loves it and thinks that it's perfect. I just love the Republican Party. They are guiltless and faultless before God. I've never heard any conservative say that. So yeah, conservatives are are hunting him down to kill him for saying the same thing that we all say. Now, I want to go back to that Biden clip because right before he went into the MAGA terrorism and violence and extremism, um, he made a claim that you might say itself is rather extreme. He says that abortion rights, like where do they come from? If we have the right to abortion, the right to kill our kids, where do we get that right? Where does it derive from? And that's an important question. Rarely does anyone on the left even try to answer it. Biden does answer it, but I think in his answer, we see why usually they avoid this question and prefer not to talk about it. But uh, here's what he says.
4: What was the second one? Oh, look. The second one was on abortion. As I said, when I... uh, um, when this hit as I was getting on the plane to go down to Alabama. Um, This is about a lot more than abortion. I hadn't read the whole opinion at that time. But this reminds me of the debate with Robert Bork. Bork believed the only reason you had any inherent rights was because the government gave them to you. If you go back and look at the opening comments with with Bork-Biden when I was questioning him as chairman, I said, I believe I have the rights that I have, not because the government gave them to me, which you believe, but because I'm just a child of God. I exist. I delegated by joining this union here to delegate some, obligation, some rights I have to the governments for, for social good. So the idea that somehow there is an inherent right that there is no right of privacy, that there is no right. And remember the debate we had? You don't remember, but we had a debate about uh, Griswold versus Connecticut. There'd been a law saying a married couple could not purchase birth control in the privacy of their own bedroom and use it.
2: Okay, so the right to abortion comes from God, he says. And so he is introducing God into the equation. He's doing that. And remember what I said yesterday. That while the left complains about pro-lifers allegedly, you know, throwing the the Bible at them, and, and uh, yes, yeah, so they say get get your religion out of my uterus and all this kind of stuff. They accuse us of being the ones who make this into a religious topic. They are the ones. Ninety-nine percent of the time, I keep giving I, I I've given the ninety-nine percent statistic for a, a lot of different things today on the show. But um, here's another one that's I'm making up, but I guarantee is is probably true. 99% of the time, when you hear somebody, someone on the left, you know, if, if you hear that religion is being discussed in the context of the abortion issue, it's someone on the left introduced it, even while they complain about it. So remember that from Biden. And then meanwhile, you've got this tweet from Kirsten Powers, who's a USA Today columnist. She says, if you think abortion is wrong, don't get an abortion. It's not okay to impose your religious view on others. Why should a Jew or Muslim... Have to live according to your interpretation of the Bible. If you don't get this, please don't ever use the phrase religious freedom again. So, um, never mind the fact that religious Jews and religious Muslims also don't believe in abortion either. But, but uh, she says, okay, well you're the one bringing religion into it. But here's the president of the United States, a Democrat, saying that we have the right to abortion because it comes from God. And when you introduce that. Well, now of course we're going to engage with it because you brought it up. Now I actually, we don't actually need recourse to the Bible. We don't need recourse to uh, Christian doctrine in order to explain why you shouldn't kill babies. Okay, we can make that argument without recourse to any kind of um, religious claim. But if you're going to bring it up, then yeah, we're going to engage with it. Because we can't allow you to just go around claiming that God wants you to kill babies. Or that somehow it's consistent with the Bible or scripture to murder your own offspring. So, Biden's claim that that God gives us the right to abortion. Okay, he says God gives us the right to abortion because he gives us the right to privacy. But already, this doesn't make any sense at all. God gives us the right to privacy? If you believe in God, then you believe, first of all, that there's no such thing as complete privacy because everything you do and think is known and seen by God. So already that's out the window. And what does abortion have to do with privacy? First of all, it's not something that you're just doing on your own. And even if it was, God doesn't let you off the hook for that. As long as it doesn't involve anybody else, I mean, you can we 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 learn especially in the gospels, you can sin within your own heart in the way that you think about about people and you can sin that way, lust, hatred, that's that is a sin. And that's as private as it gets. But with abortion there's another person involved. So privacy has nothing to do with it. And also even if you did have a right to privacy that God himself recognized, well, like God's turning away and saying, oh, you do what you want. Hey, this is up to you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm staying out of this one. Um, even if that is how it worked, which it isn't, how could you have the right to privacy or the right to anything if you don't first have the right to life? If you don't have the right to live in the first place, then how can you have the right to anything else? The right to life has to be the first, most basic right. If, if you don't have that right, then what are all the other rights built upon? And the right to life is is itself built upon the idea that human beings have intrinsic value and worth and dignity. And because we have that intrinsic value, worth, dignity, that's where our, that, that is the sort of the wellspring from which our um, our human rights arise. But if you believe in abortion then you believe that we have no intrinsic worth, value, or dignity. Because at at our very earliest stages, when we first come into being in that moment, and for many moments thereafter, uh, you are expendable. You can be killed and tossed into a dumpster. And it's it's, it's not a moral outrage at all. It's not a crime. So if you reject the idea of intrinsic value and worth then you have nothing, you have no hook onto which you can hang your your theory of human rights. So the whole thing is totally incoherent. All right, let's go to this from the Daily Wire. It says, an attacker who rushed the stage and tackled Dave Chappelle on Tuesday at the Comedians Hollywood Bowl show was carrying a knife concealed in a replica gun, according to a new report. A 23-year-old man was arrested as being held on $30,000 bail in the L.A. County Sheriff's Custody on a felony charge of assault with a deadly weapon. And so this guy, I think we still don't know why he did it exactly. We can maybe theorize about it, but Dave Chappelle was at this big comedy show and he was uh, on stage and somebody rushed on the stage. And then he was, you know, Dave Chappelle's personal security, putting the Academy Award security to shame because they took this guy dragged him out and just beat the living hell out of him. And there's, a, there's an image of him that you can see where he's being carted away, the attacker was anyway, and his arm is twisted like a pretzel. Okay, it's twisted in a direction that it's simply not supposed to go. Um, which, which honestly, like that's what should happen if you rush the stage and attack somebody in the middle of a performance. That's also how you dissuade other people from trying the same thing. So when I see this story, there's, there's two things that come to mind. First of all, I'm trying to figure out the strategy of hiding a knife inside the replica of a more dangerous weapon. That's what I don't get. Oh, nobody's going to suspect I have a, a knife. Oh, how's that? How then no one's going to? Oh, because I'm going to hide it in this gun. That's how no one's going to. The security will never know I have a knife because they'll just think I have a gun instead. It's like, it's like if you had a weed and you, you hid it in a box labeled heroin. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, um, Perhaps more importantly, though, and we still, we don't know the the motivations or anything else, but it it stands to reason that this could be a, this is a further consequence of the, you know, words are violence mentality, which has especially been applied to Dave Chappelle. Now, we can't say for sure that this guy was motivated because he thinks that Dave Chappelle is a transphobe or something, but Certainly, the message in society has been that jokes and words are violence. And when Will Smith attacked Chris Rock, lots of people on the left especially came to his defense and said that, hey, making that joke about uh, a woman with alopecia is is a form of violence. So when you you tell people this, um, and especially if you're saying it to someone who is already prone to being delusional and half crazy— and you tell them that words and jokes can actually cause them physical harm, or worse than physical harm. Well, then you are encouraging exactly the kind of thing that we just saw. All right. Before we get to the comment section, uh, let me see if I can find this. There was another story that was really important. Okay. So, you know, we used we used to worry about scientists covering up aliens, you know, the existence of aliens. But now I think we have to worry about a different kind of sort of uncovering. The New York Post reports this week. NASA to launch naked pictures of humans to space in hope of attracting aliens. Now, <sighs> I want to make contact with aliens as much as the next guy. Apparently not quite as much. But we need to seriously think about, about the sort of contact that we want to actually have with these creatures. And I mean, look, at the, our attempts to reach out to aliens have been, so far, as far as we know, unsuccessful. If this is what finally earns a response... I'm not sure that's a good sign. If they were ignoring us up until now, and then we send we send naked pictures out, and now they respond, I, I just I don't. What's the strategy? This, this is another area where I'm confused about the strategy. Now, if we're hoping to avoid a visitation, then I could maybe understand sending out pictures of uh, I don't know, you know, Lizzo or something, for example. That would surely dissuade any intelligent race from landing here. But avoidance is apparently not the plan. This is from the New York Post. It says. NASA scientists plan to launch pictures of naked humans into space in the hope of luring aliens to us. The depictions will also include an invitation to respond should an intelligent alien race find them. The pictures aren't graphic photographs of naked humans, but a drawing of a naked man and a woman next to a depiction of DNA. The man and woman are waving in an attempt to look more inviting. NASA scientists revealed the image in a study that's part of a project called the Beacon in the Galaxy The main aim of the BITG project is to send a message to any alien civilizations that could be out there. Oh, so that's our excuse for stalking E.T. with unsolicited nudes. And if he's offended, we're just going to say what? Hey, uh, sorry, man, we we just wanted to show you our our beacon. And here's my question. What if E.T. sends nudes back? Are we really prepared to see that? I am certainly not. And like I said, what if he does more than return the favor? What if this is really the thing that draws them here? What if, as the poet once said, uh, the milkshake really does bring the boys to the yard? What then? The perverts at NASA are going to get us all turned into sex slaves. Here's, think about it this way. 50 years ago, and I'll stop talking about this in a second. 50 years ago, scientists were, were landing humans on the moon. And now, because apparently OnlyFans is running the space program, we are flashing an entire alien civilization from 90 million light years away. And it actually gets worse because, and I, I haven't looked this up, but I'm pretty sure about this. Um, this this, uh, this uh, uh, deep space probe, shall we call it, that we're sending out, this is actually not the first of its kind because I'm pretty sure that there was a probe in the 70s. I think it was, the, it was either the Voyager or the Pioneer. I think it was the Pioneer where we also sent naked pictures. And that craft is now wandering through space, 50 billion miles away, totally ignored. So we slid into the aliens' DMs with naked pictures. They ignored us, and now we're so desperate that we're sending another one. It's like the Anthony Weiner strategy of galactic diplomacy, I guess. Um, Which is why I suggest a compromise, really, which is that... um, Rather than sending the naked pictures, let's just send the aliens pictures of Uranus instead. That was the worst joke of the bunch. I had to do it, though. I mean, I just can't. Like, I'm a dad. It's You've got the Uranus joke laying right there. You've got to make it. And so that's it. You know, one of the most shameful things in this country is uh, the, the countless cases of veterans coming home from overseas and not being supported, not being cared for in this country— and uh, that's something we have to fix. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about a company that is really making a difference for our nation's veterans, One More Wave. One More Wave uses surf therapy to help veterans stay active, engaged, and connected. The founder of One More Wave, Alex West, is a retired Navy SEAL who noticed that for many veterans, especially those with adaptive needs, standard off-the-shelf surfboards and equipment were off the table. So. What did he do? He created a team of surfboard and artists and surf instructors to work with grant recipients to design the custom equipment for their experience level and physical needs. From there, One More Wave connects veterans to their global network of surfing volunteers who empower them to heal through surf therapy from coast to coast. Fresh salt air, uh, sunshine, and the exhilaration of flying down the face of a wave help keep veterans coming back more and more. Since 2015, One More Wave has empowered over 500 veterans to find healing and community through Surf Therapy by providing customized surfing equipment and community. But to keep on going, we need your support. Help fund 10 new Surf Therapy grants by going to 1mwave.com slash dailywire. Sign up to become a monthly sustaining donor as well there. The average veteran grant costs $2,500 and every tax-deductible donation counts. Help us continue to support those brave men and women we have given so much for this nation. Visit 1mwave.com slash dailywire and become a sustaining member today. One more wave is a 501c3 and your donation is tax deductible. Visit 1mwave.com for more information. Let's get now to the comment section. you it's required that you grow a beard.
1: Hey,
0: we the sweet baby gang.
2: All right, let's see what do we got. Uh, if I can find it, here we are? Uh, Edenkpo Augustine says, people who can't define what a woman is because they aren't biologists suddenly turn to experts at defining the beginning and viability of a life. Well, not really, actually. They, that's the interesting is that they don't claim um, to have an answer to when life begins. You know, it's, uh it's not as though they're saying, oh, life doesn't begin at conception. It begins somewhere else. They avoid the question entirely, and if you try to get them to answer it, they're going to say that, well, I don't really know. It's above my pay. That was Obama's famous answer, I think, was it's above my pay grade. And so that's another bit of incoherence from the pro-abortion left that they admit that they don't actually know when life begins, and which means if they don't know, then it's, according to them, it's possible at least that life begins at conception, and so but they're not sure. But we're going to go ahead and slaughter the babies anyway. Knowing that at least they might be human lives. So you actually, you give them a little bit more credit than they deserve with your observation there. Chris says, isn't it kind of strange that so many of these leftists you feature on your show are unemployed and miserable? They're all so full of themselves. They should be successful because confidence is the key to success. Well, but self-absorption is not confidence. So that's the first problem. The, the, the two things are not the same, not even really related. Um, and uh, in fact, they're in conflict with one, with one another. So what you see from the leftists and everything, and, and it's, it's self-absorption and narcissism, but not confidence, which is why they're also they're self-absorbed and narcissistic, but they're also deeply in need of affirmation from the public. Um, and also the other thing, by the way, is that I don't think it's true that confidence is key to success. I think um, one of the keys to success, anyway, is not confidence, but conviction, which, again, is not exactly the same thing. You have to believe in what you're doing. You have to have a, a cause that you believe in. That's conviction. So that is a prerequisite for success. And then along with conviction, you also need humility, I think, if you really want to be successful. Uh, because humility is how you improve. Uh, It's how that's that's the striving. That's the improving. So conviction and humility is what you need. All right. Rachel says, not going to lie, the thought of Matt singing the fruit salad song to his kids just made my day. However, if we tragically lose the Wiggles to the left, perhaps Matt, Michael, Andrew and Ben could wear different colored plaid shirts, start a conservative children's parody band and save the day. I think we are going to lose the Wiggles, and you know, I, I wish that I could gloat about it because, like I said, I, I've the Wiggles have been a bane; they've been a, the, the bane of my existence ever since I became a, a parent, and um, and so and now my my wife is is, and it's mostly her fault that this has happened because she has indoctrinated each successive child into the Wiggles cult, and so I can never escape it. And now she's very upset with the Wiggles because she's you know. Some this is not the first thing there's been a little there's, there's there have been hints of wokeness, I think from the wiggles and I wish I could gloat about it, but it's actually just sad. to have a yet another formally innocent, if terribly annoying uh child's entertainment property that goes woke it's quite a sad thing um, and uh, let's see this is a great comment I wanted to read from two shows ago. And it says, Dear God, I can't even remotely imagine decimating my family, completely destroying my child's life, all to pursue fleeting, shallow lust for some dude I met at a hotel bar. This is the most narcissistic and frankly evil thing I can imagine a mother or father, for that matter, doing. And she got exactly what she deserved when he rejected her and he was right in doing so. He probably knew that if she'd destroy her whole family after hanging out with him for a couple hours, she could just as easily turn around and do the same to him over as much or less with some new guy. This just blows my mind, honestly. My absolute worst nightmare is for my marriage to fall apart slash fail. It's one of the worst things I can imagine other than something bad happening to my child. The idea of my precious daughter growing up without her daddy in the house, flawed as he is, LOL, is just horrifying to me. Um, yeah, it's, I, I feel exactly the same way when you hear all these stories. of, And, and that's, it's, it's always stories from, not always women, but often women, who are publishing these stories of tearing their marriages apart. And it's not because... Women are the only ones who tear their marriages and families apart. Men do it too. But women are the only ones who can get away with bragging about it after the fact and writing books about it and articles and everything and being published in Cosmo or whatever um, and, and and being celebrated by a certain segment of the culture. With men, that's never going to happen. But every time I read these stories and, they, and they're, they're, going out of their way to dress it all up and make it seem like it was a wonderful, bold, courageous decision, and they're so happy now. But you know that, it's, that that's a put-on, that that's rationalization. Once again, they're looking for affirmation. They're trying, to convince, they're trying to convince themselves by convincing us that they're happy. And in reality, you look at this, you just think it's—I know sometimes marriages fall on hard times, you go through rocky patches, but it's just never worth it. You are, whatever you're going through in your marriage, it is, it is worth fighting through it. Because the alternative is the absolute devastation of your life and your family. And that cannot be a better option. You know, when the culture begins to reflect everything but our values, it's time that we build our own, build our own culture. So we are. The Daily Wire is taking on Hollywood, razor companies that cave to the woke, the publishing industry, and uh, none other than the entertainment staple of our childhoods, Disney. We're doing all that. Stop giving money to organizations that don't respect you or your values. Help us build alternatives where the left is tearing down foundations we are building, and we need your help today. So head to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Walsh for 20% off your new membership and join us in our fight to preserve real American values today. Now let's get to our Daily Cancellation. You know, all the uh, leftist talking points in response to Roe v. Wade's impending demise have been incredibly weak. But for Daily Cancellation, I'm gonna focus on what just may be the weakest and dumbest of them all. Well, maybe not the absolute weakest and dumbest. When you, you know, delve into pro-abortion arguments, things get so dumb so quickly that it can be hard to parse one from another. It's kind of like splitting the atom at a certain point. For example, a guy named Alex Falcone, who uh, I think is an actor or something, put out a lengthy tweet thread yesterday where he compares abortions to miscarriages. He says this, This is a change of tone for me on here, but I don't think anybody actually believes fetuses are people. I think they're lying. There are almost a million miscarriages every year in America. It happens to almost everybody. But we're not constantly getting invited to funerals. Nobody who says abortion is murder is out carrying signs that say, and miscarriages are suicide. Right, Alex, because babies don't miscarry themselves intentionally. That's why we don't compare them to suicide, you stammering idiot. Miscarriages, by definition, happen accidentally, unintentionally, tragically. So there's nothing to protest. That's why we don't have rallies against miscarriages. You know, We also don't have rallies protesting the existence of cancer. You, you raise money to try to cure cancer, but no one, no one is out protesting it. Does that mean we reject the personhood of cancer victims? No, of course not. And as for grieving miscarriages, go talk to any woman who has suffered a miscarriage and ask her if she considers the miscarried child to be a person or not. Alex is trying to delegitimize the grief over miscarriages in order to justify murdering children. That's the sort of person we're dealing with. Also, if fetuses are not people, then what are they, Alex? Alex. You'll notice, again, the the pro-abortion person never wants to answer this question. They can't answer it. They say that the fetus isn't a person, and even that is so self-evidently isn't a person that that nobody could possibly believe otherwise, he says. Like, it's self-evident that it's not a person. But then they never, ever actually explain what category the unborn child belongs to. Fetus is a stage of development. It's not a different species any more than toddler or teenager or senior citizen is a different species. These are all labels we place on different phases of a human being's, a person's physical development, saying it's a fetus, not a person. It's like saying um, Alex Falcone is uh, middle-aged, not a person. But this is uh, not the stupid argument I wanted to focus on in this segment. Instead, I'd like to call our attention to um, a different sort of argument. This is um, one as evidenced by Lila Cohen, who's another Hollywood leftist. She tweeted this. If it was about babies, we'd have excellent and free universal maternal care. You wouldn't be charged a cent to give birth, no matter how complicated your delivery was. If it was about babies, we'd have months and months of parental leave for everyone. So that's a talking point. We, we get this a lot now. Katie Porter is a Democrat congresswoman. She made a similar point on MSNBC yesterday. Uh, listen.
1: This is a terrible setback for all Americans. It's an assault on our freedom, including our economic freedom. What does it mean to live in a country that's trying to compete worldwide, and we're the only country that doesn't have a universal paid leave, that doesn't have affordable childcare, um, and now that doesn't have reproductive freedom? This is a terrible outcome, not just for women, but for all Americans. This is a fundamental assault on freedom, and what I feel mostly tonight is anger. And a deep sense of sadness that my daughter, Betsy, and my sons, Luke and Paul, are going to live in a world with less freedom than I did my mother or my grandmother. That is a terrible setback for this country.
2: She's getting emotional at the idea that um, her children may not be able to kill her grandchildren. She's emotional about it. And we'll address that in a moment, but I also think we need to play with probably the most colorful example of this sort of argument as was articulated by Anna Kasparian of the Young Turks. Uh, Listen to this. We
3: don't even have paid family leave. We don't even have affordable childcare in this freaking country. Okay, and the people who fight against those kinds of laws are Republicans.
0: And yet- What do you
3: want them to do with their kids when they have to go to work? What do you want them to do? What do you want them to do? I want them to answer that freaking question. Ask them.
2: Ask them. Uh, yes, ask them the question. Please do. I mean, ask me the question. I'm happy to answer it. What do I want parents to do if they can't afford child care? Well, let's first talk about what I don't want them to do. I don't want them to kill their kids. Killing your child, Anna, is not an acceptable child care option. The implication of Kasparian's argument and Katie Porter and all the other leftists raising this point about unaffordable child care and a lack of paid family leave and so on, is that we should kill kids because caring for them can be expensive. Now, if you're pro-life and you also believe that there should be more government programs in place to help families, that's fine. I have no problem with that point of view. Okay. In fact, um, I think there's something to be said for it. The only hang up is that before we start adding more entitlements, we need to massively reform, really dismantle and rebuild the entitlement system as it currently stands. Right now, we're dumping hundreds of billions of dollars every year into a system that's essentially made to be abused and manipulated and which hasn't helped anything, hasn't helped, uh, has not helped has uh, not helped address really the, the, the poverty problem. It's only made it worse because we're taking single able-bodied young adults and putting them on the dole and keeping them there, rather than requiring them to work and exert themselves and make the necessary sacrifices to be contributing members of society. If we can separate the wheat from the chaff and get rid of the dead weight and restructure our entitlement program so that they specifically are designed to help families who are struggling, I'm more than open to that. And that is a perfectly reasonable argument for any pro-life person to make, and many of them do. But if you're pro-abortion, then you don't believe that life has any intrinsic value anyway. And if you're arguing that abortion is necessary as a cost-saving measure, then we have a word for that. It's called eugenics. Your position is not just wrong, but morally abominable. The leftist argument, as we just heard, it's this. We don't have affordable child care or enough entitlement programs for families in this country. And so let's continue killing children in order to cut down on costs. Oh, also, we should actually keep killing children regardless of the child care situation because a mother has a sacred right to execute her own offspring. I mean you could hardly claim the moral high ground while you put a gun to a child's head and say give me my entitlements or i blow his brains out. Because that's exactly what the left is doing here. And again even if they get the entitlements they'll still kill the child. It's a it's a it's one of the reasons why we why you don't negotiate with terrorists. Because whatever they're threatening to do they're still going to do it even after you give them what they want. So it's a monstrous argument, and it's also a red herring. The truth is that we could have free childcare, free diapers, free formula, free food, free housing, free everything for everyone, and they still would support abortion with all of the same passion that they support it right now. Here's a question someone could ask Anna Kasparian. If we had all the stuff that you say you want, would you be in favor of abolishing abortion or even limiting it? The answer from you is no. So what are you even talking about this for? It's irrelevant to your argument, and you know it. There's one other point to be raised here. The left, while pretending to defend the agency of women, has actually removed agency from the conversation entirely. Anna asks, you know, what are women supposed to do if they can't afford to have kids? She answers her own question by saying that they should simply kill their kids and have their bodies tossed into a medical waste dumpster, and, uh, you know, and that's her solution. She doesn't even consider or pay lip service to the other potential solution for women who don't want to or feel they cannot care for children, which is this. Uh, Don't have them. And when I say don't have them, I mean don't conceive them. If you conceive a child, you've already had a child. It's too late to not have a child once the child is conceived. So if you really cannot handle a child, don't want a child, don't feel you're in a position to be a good parent, whatever the case, then what about the option? of exercising self-control. See, the defenders of autonomy don't recognize this option at all because they want women to be helpless slaves to their own compulsions and passions. They don't actually want women or men to take charge of their lives and make responsible decisions. They prefer that you make bad decisions and then try to erase those bad decisions with even worse decisions. If they have you in a self-destructive victim spiral, then they have you exactly where they want you. that's what it comes down to. And that's why the pro aborts are certainly not for the first time and certainly not for the last. Today, canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Vodowski. Our associate producer is McKenna Waters. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. and hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. The Young Turk, Anna Kasparian, gets to the heart of the liberal freakout over abortion. The Supreme Court gives Christians a major free speech win. And Joe Biden's HHS secretary doubles down on irreversibly mutilating kids. Check it out on the Michael Knowles
4: Show